Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome everybody, two guys at a mic dot two guys at a mic talkzone.com back at you. Beautiful midweek Wednesday here in the fine city of Chicago, mid-October. World Series opens up today. Nothing else on TV. So if you're a sports fan, you got nothing but to do but to check out a little World Series baseball game number one. We'll check out that. We'll do a little news and notes, titillating tidbits, sneak preview of some really good college football games coming up this weekend. A little Bears report, maybe even sneak in a little hoops talk as well. It's two guys at a mic. It's TalkZone.com. Big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. A little bit of music and then we'll kick from the 25-yard line. I hate these new rules. very much the inspirational if not epithelial and slightly quizzical music of producer extraordinaire david olson and his minions on the other side of the screen no he doesn't have any interns but uh, he does have some red spots on his left arm which i think are minions hopefully uh, they are no social diseases especially ones that could be contagious that i might catch all right big dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock here sports and more world series does open up today should be a good one as the uh, San Francisco Giants take on the Detroit Tigers, best of seven, Verlander on the mound today, and he'll be taking on not Ryan Vogel's song, not Matt Kane. It won't even be Madison Bumgarner. It'll be the veteran Barry Zito. Speaking of veterans, let me bring in my uh, sportscaster extraordinaire, my good partner, who I think after eight years on the radio and two years doing the Internet, big dog, and you're still a young man, but I think I can safely call you a veteran of the radio airwaves, no? I would have to say, considering that if you do five days a week for ten years, yep. you know, eventually I would have to say that that would make you a veteran, and mm-hmm. I think I can handle myself. I think you're you're battle tested. You've uh, you know been through the thick and the thin, the ups and the downs. You're not quite Hall of Fame material yet, but you've been a you've been a lifer in the sports talk world. I'm proud of you, my friend. Ten years is nothing to be ashamed of. Oh, no, no. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because, uh, <laughs> it is? Well, actually, it isn't. Because if, if you think about it, of most people that are in radio, even though I was out of work for a little bit, but I was still making money, I probably made more money than most people do in the radio world. Okay. So think about it. The typical person that's on air in the United States throughout the whole, uh, they probably didn't have like this job that I had. Besides being on radio, they probably had a, their whole life was dedicated to being on radio. Mm-hmm. And I have taken it more of I am not a radio lifer. I am a sports fan lifer. Yes. And I just happen to go on and talk about it on the radio while mm-hmm. I do jobs like running kayak companies and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's been one of the very theses of our show, which, quite frankly, we've gotten away from a little bit in the last couple of years. But both of us are not really in the media uh, don't want to be. I don't want to be around those guys. It was a few well, of them I like, but most of them are such kiss asses yeah. and backstabbers. They're both. 
It's, like they, it's, it's, it's legitimate how bad people talk about other people in that business. It's yeah. disgusting. Coach. But to, to be fair, to be perfectly fair, if they paid us enough and put us on a major station, I think we'd get through the disgust and probably rub a few elbows among other body parts if we had to. Right, Big Dog? It's not like I, all I want to do is give a two-hour show that people want to listen to. Yes. I could really care less about uh, like. And trust me, I'm always a team player. Everywhere I go, I it's like you either do it as a team or you go. So uh, I, whatever. I don't want to get into all that. No, I do actually. I, I do because uh, that's exactly what we need more of. Quite frankly, in the sports talk world, more guys like you that aren't trying to, to go to the upper crust. See, I was walking. Um, we were by the WGN Radio Studios Saturday night. We happened to be downtown. Niece's birthday, McCormick and Schmick's outstanding. Outstanding. Mahi, mahi, by the way, with a quality mashed potato and green bean. Thank you very much. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's a good meal right there. I wouldn't have had the mashed potatoes, though, but I would have had. These were, these were good mashed potatoes. They weren't buttery. They were, like, actually potatoey. Mashed you see, I don't mind. I don't mind uh, buttery because I, I yeah. exercise, and dairy fat makes you skinny. Yeah, not a big fan of the butter. But anyhow, so I'm walking by the WGN Studios, big dog, where they have uh-huh. the people doing the radio uh, on the lower level, and you know, and, and fans can stop by and look in and listen to the show. And the two guys doing the show were about, you know, their connection with the people watching was zero. Their interest level in doing the show was maybe .5. They were going about their business. And, again, not to toot our own horns, but I'll toot and I'll grab a horn or two. But I was just thinking and commenting to my son. And, yeah, he's my son, but he agreed. If it were the coach of the big dog in that studio with the fans outside talking sports, the connection we'd make with that crowd and it would carry over onto the radio, I thought somehow, some way, we need to be behind that glass so that we could uh, entertain not only the radio, but I guarantee we could get a crowd around us on a regular basis standing around watching on that window, not like the two dudes who were going through the motions. Yeah, it all depends on who's WGN. When, they, when Steve Carver was running it, uh, he was such an arrogant ass that there was no way. He would rather he would rather be stupid enough to pay somebody seven hundred fifty grand a year that, like, you know, like, was everybody knew than actually take a, a risk and actually go for somebody that, might end up being a new sensation in the city of Chicago because we haven't had one on the radio in years because everybody just oh, they just put out retreads and retreads. There's yep. nothing really exciting coming out. Chicago so, radio is, is inbred. That's all it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we got to work on David Olson, a man with many connections. Not many of them are that good, but a man with many connections. And, David, our motto is you have officially become our agent uh, on a volunteer basis. Thank you very much. One time, big dog in the coat, put us behind that glass one time. Give us the opportunity one time, and I, I think we can do it, big dog, and, and uh, God forbid they actually invite us back. Just as long as you don't over on air and start talking about how stupid we are and, and all that other stuff, I would appreciate while we're during that, <laughs> that uh, one little tryout that we get. Uh, right. you, you know, I'll start making some ties in. During this off season. I'm going to focus on promoting myself. Beautiful. Coach, I've never done it. Bought a camera from uh, one of the guys that works for me. Gave me a good deal on it. I'm going to might have to buy a computer that so I can cut stuff up. I'm going to need some advice on that. Anybody that could uh, 
email me at thisyearman at yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you have, like, ways that I can get extremely cheap editing equipment for my own computer, because even a moron like me could do it, it probably wouldn't be as good as, like, something your son could do or something like that, Coach. You know what I mean? But, like, mm-hmm. it eventually will, but I don't know how quick. You know, I'm assuming I want to do all this stuff, and I'm like, it might take me, like, three hours to edit that, or it might take me three days, and I'm not sure yet. And uh, But I'm going to start promoting myself. Okay. That's, I, I, and us, and us, but doing both of it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And uh, this will be the first time I've ever done it. I, this is the first time in my life that I've ever actually had enough money where I could say, hey, you know what, for one month, I'm going to dedicate myself to the dream that I've always had. You know, mm-hmm. typically it's like I have to walk to a train station and take a train for an hour and a half and yeah. blah, 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 blah. You know, and now I've never had a camera. Now I finally have one, so. And part of that, part of the promoting yourself is promoting your alter ego, the always popular, if not semi-dysfunctional, this year, man, right? Well, Coach, I, uh, I, really, I got to tell you, there's so many opportunities in that, and it's it's truly it's truly a unique unique concept concept that I have because it could be the clown that you're talking about walking around Wrigley Field uh, spreading. Uh, I still have that. Still have the video, by the way. Well, hey, Coach, I, you know, there's so many other videos out there. There's some of the stuff that that, that man has been through so far. Yeah. The trials and, oh, my goodness. Well, By the anyways. way, every time I show the, the video, the part that the uh, David and his friends, the teenage kids like, is when you start going into that little, I don't, how do I call it, with your palms down on the floor and the little the little shimmy bop dance. Uh-huh. Where, you're, you know, your elbows are extended, palms facing the, <laughs> the ground outside of Wrigley Field. And, of course, you're wearing the tights and the whole... This year, man, outfit, and uh, you start tap dancing uh, right in front of the homeless dude who's playing the drums. Yes, yes, uh, Coach. <laughs> coach, see, they, they're not homeless. They're not homeless. And wait, okay, the, the guy who started playing the buckets in the city of Chicago. Yeah, I apologize, okay? by the way. It's not the home. There was a homeless guy there. A couple of them. I apologize. I didn't make, mean to make that connection, but you're right. I then, really then there was. Homeless, I that, helped that homeless guy out, too, by the way, because uh, he asked for money, but instead I gave him. An inspirational thought. Because that's what I do. That's I know inspirational poems. I know mm-hmm. hundreds of them. I just I can all read them at any time, Coach. I've been working on that recently. Maybe not hundreds, but it will be hundreds. I'm okay, sure. But, sure, and, he appreciated that inspirational thought. Yeah, he did. And and then he then he was like, "Man, I gotta get some bourbon." And then uh, and he walked <laughs> away. But the original bucket man in the city of Chicago is a guy by the name of Mark. And I'm not just making this up. Okay. He used to play outside of Wrigley Field, and in 1998, he worked for Nike. And I, the guy that worked in the, the ticket promotions part loved me, and he kept giving me tickets to wherever I wanted to go. But he, he made me actually bring other people to put them in their names because my name was on it so often. Well, uh, I would walk out of the park, and that guy, his name was Mark, and he was in a disco band in the 70s that had a couple big hits, and he was the drummer. And he flat out told me, yeah, I'm a crack addict, and uh, drugs ruined my life. And... uh and so I, I come out here and I, I play. I play the bucket. I swear to you, what he told me. I mean, after seeing him so many times, and I would tip him five. He was just incredible. Well, I would walk out of Wrigley Field. Of course, I wasn't in a this year man garb. And as soon as, have you, as basically, I, w- I make bets with people. I'm like, right when I hear him, because I know it's distinct, because he's the best. I'm like, hey, I bet you within one minute, someone will scream at their top of the lungs and point at me and yell, Tony Ku coach. People are like, get the hell out of here. And next thing I just run up to Bucket Man, and no matter who's in the middle, he will stop what he's doing, redo, like, his rhythm, <laughs> point to me, and yell, Tony Kukoch. And then we start doing it. Then he goes into the Chicago Bulls lineup of 1998. He does it to this <laughs> day, Coach, if he sees me. I'm not 
no lie. And now he's on Madison Street every once in a while while I'm paddling. I'm pushing the paddle kayaks up and down the river. We're closing this spot today. But I will hear him. And I'm like, it's only, it's not, it's periodical because I guess when you're, you know, you're an admitted, uh, like, drug addict, sometimes you don't have a schedule when you show up at places. But at big events, he's normally there. A camera and me in front of this dude will be a viral sensation. Especially if I do the whole watch, I'm just going to walk up and this, this guy's going to recognize me as Tony Kukoc. So. And Here now, you, you know, and, that, and that's cool. I want to check that out on video. I, I want to be there for that first uh, reunion, if well, you, you will. Find me. You're my vehicle. I don't have – if you're going to help promote me, you're going to have to drive me to one of these big right. sporting events. We'll find him. He'll be there. Okay. Coach. All right. We'll, t- we'll talk off air and uh, and work on that. i got a couple other ideas uh, for self-promotion, too. And, as and this guy could play a song for our show. You make fun of the music that the talk zone plays for us. This man could make some great intro music for our show. And everybody loves everybody. You know, the bucket brigade or whatever, the bucket players are pretty cool. It's gotten a little, how do we say, mainstream now. I mean, it was really cool when they were off on their own, kind of just doing it. But now, you know, like the Chicago Bears. I mean, I was at the Bears game Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Chicago Bears Bucket Brigade. And they're very, very good, but somehow when they're in uniform in a stadium, it loses a little bit of the charm of three guys who just plop down in the parking lot. Well, yeah, I didn't I didn't see that, but I'm talking this is the original Bucket Man, Coach. What's his name again? His first name is Mark, and I will find him. He's old and weathered. I'm, I'm not making fun of the guy. I like the guy. The guy's got, like, a kind heart, all right? He's just a crack addict, and... uh but uh, the, the truth be told, he is the original bucket man. Seattle has a bunch of people who play spoons, all because, I guess, way a long time ago, according to Soundgarden, one guy was the original spoon man. Well, th- we have a bucket man in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So maybe we, we should do like a good deed for the day. You know, find him, you know, mm-hmm. feed him, throw a little food, get, get him on camera, have a talk. That, that would be actually incredible. His... The story of the buckets in the city of Chicago is pretty interesting all in itself. Mm-hmm. That you bring it up now that they're being, <laughs> but they're, I didn't see this. They were dressed in uniform playing before the game on Monday night. Oh, well, that's not, you know, the first time the, uh, I go to the Chicago Sky women's basketball game. They got their own well-organized bucket brigade. Again, very talented and entertaining. A lot of fun to listen to, but again, uh, not quite the charm, I guess is the best word, is the kind of the improvised guys who just plop down and, um, and play, and the ones who do it in the parking lot or wherever they are, are incredibly talented too. Sometimes there's some really young kids in that group. I mean, I've seen like yeah. twelve and thirteen year olds. Yeah, he definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we'll get this year man promoting that. Hopefully, we can get a uh, hookup with this year man and and mark the original bucket guy. And by the way, the two original. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks from yesterday, people are going to go to the voting booths, big dog. And I got to believe, you know, people. Get frustrated with the two leading candidates. You got Libertarian out there. You got Green Party. If we promote them a little bit, I got to believe this year, man, could at least get double figures in votes for President of the United States. Uh, there's too many people are what quote unquote haters out there. They don't like men in tights actually uh, well, running the, the president. All we're asking for is I, I want to hit double like figures. Team. See if we can get ten or eleven votes out of. How many people in the U.S., David Olson? Three hundred million, something like that. Yeah. There's only there's only about six mil, sixty million registered voters. 
All right. There's only about 20% of us that decide who goes to the presidency. Yeah. Well, actually, it's going to come down to about 20,000 people in a couple of small towns in Ohio, I think. That's where it's going to yeah. be decided, unfortunately. But two weeks from today, Doug, two weeks from today, you will be waking up in the morning uh, with either, hopefully, a much better four more years of Barack <laughs> Obama or a major change in uh, philosophy and structure, shall we say, as we have uh, Mitt Romney. Don't forget, along with Mitt Romney, I remind the folks out there, you will have Paul Ryan in your household on a regular basis for four more years. So two weeks from today, Big Dog, we're in the stretch run. I believe Barack Obama might be calling on Sergio Romo the last couple of days to close out his campaign. On the other hand, Romney? Well, yeah, he does look like he does look like uh, Castro. So, uh, yeah? Yeah, that, that, that was probably one of Barack Obama's heroes growing up. Yeah. Speaking of Castro, by the way, one of our lead stories of today, ex-Chicago World Series champion, but uh, oh, how the mighty have fallen. His popularity waned, putting it mildly here. Ozzie Guillen, hired in Florida as the savior to the Marlins big dog, fired after one year, fired yesterday as he returns from a three-week vacation in Espanola. Oh, Guillen has got to be the happiest dude in the world. <laughs> Think about it. He gets out of a White Sox deal that was fine, yep. okay, able to get a four-year like one of the highest paid manager in baseball deals in in uh, in Florida or Miami, whatever the heck they're called now. No, he's going to get paid what about five mil, six, seven million dollars a year for the next three no, years? No, not not that much. A couple of million a year, I think. Okay. Still, yeah, so that's just that's ridiculous. Though, I mean, like, what? How did you not know that was not going to be a train wreck down in Miami? Well, I mean, wasn't, that, that was written on the wall, wasn't it? I guess before the season even started, talk about bringing up Castro. I, Funny how we tie uh, Isaac Guillen in with Fidel Castro. Oh, my god. You goodness. know, uh, the, the theory was they paid for some, you know, big-time players. So if you start winning, and we saw here in Chicago, Ozzy can be pretty popular when things are going right and the team is winning. The obviously large uh, Hispanic population in that particular area, there was a scenario Maybe not a great one and maybe not a high percentage, Big but There was a scenario where if the team really won, Ozzy could have been popular for a couple of years. They could have filled that place. I don't think they're ever going to fill that place. Nobody really cares about baseball down there. And the whole, you know, you think that the Latin community, I mean, is, is it really that bad in the world? You know, I, I, I want to bring, uh, let's stick with this. I want to bring up something that Jason Whitlock wrote this morning. And I was... Uh, I don't know, like, I thought it kind of hit home. Like, basically, like, race relations, not race, race relations, but uh, he's bringing up the fact that African-American quarterbacks have to deal with the fact that there is a certain segment of the population, uh, and he brings up the black pop culture media that feels that African-American quarterbacks can do no wrong, and he, and he calls it the bubble. So what ends up happening is if, like, people like me say that, while Cam Newton is not having a good year, he's like he's not going through his reads. He can only look at one receiver, and that gets to the second guy. Well, I'm saying that because I'm racist. And Jason Whitlock is African American, basically talking about how all of a sudden, like RG3 is getting pulled into this. Like uh, the only way ESPN could talk about the fact that Cam Newton has a lack of leadership, and that's like really not in question after all the stuff that is, that has happened, is so they. Uh, 
instead of just saying, you know, Cam Newton like, might be lacking leadership, they're actually, ESPN's afraid to say, to say it because he's African-American. They use RG3 as the reference. They go, look, let's compare these two. So they make it a point to say, hey, look, we're just making RG3 like the, the smartest uh, and best leader of like all the young quarterbacks. When that's totally unfair to RG3, why are you labeling this guy as like a can't-miss guy already six games in? So, Coach, this whole idea that uh, what Latin people will go to the game if there's uh, if someone from Latin descent is the manager of the uh, Miami Mar- Marlins. So that's like so from now on. I mean, like this is where the world has come to, and they think <laughs> the only way the Latin people will go to a game is if there's a manager that's Latin. That yeah, that that was the theory. Probably not a particularly well thought out theory, but but I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. We're all too politically correct. We're all too politically incorrect. And what you're saying with ESPN, if I'm getting the gist of what you're saying, is they're basically... That's what Jason Whitlock was, and I was like, wow. Like It was like, Jason Whitlock is saying that ESPN is afraid to uh, put anything negative about certain like black quarterbacks or like black tennis players, like stuff like that. Because they don't want to be labeled as racist. Like, mm-hmm. why are you targeting Cam Newton's leadership skills? And because there's a certain segment that he calls it the bubble that is protecting. Okay. Like, moronic, moronically, just no matter what happens, they're like, they feel it's like an attack against. Like, I cannot say anything bad about RG3. Actually, I can. because. So, in other words, you're saying. You can't say anything bad about RG3. The guy's incredible. But if I did, it's automatically. Like, and there's a big segment of, like, what he like, calls, like, the black media that is putting, and it ends up being like, you, it's hard for everybody else in sports to be like 100% honest or else, you know, they'll be labeled as racist. And it also puts unfair labels on, like, uh, and, like, good, like, put to unfair expectations on people like RG3. And it also, Cam Newton doesn't feel like he'll have to actually step up and be accountable for his actions, which have been really stupid the last month mm-hmm. the first time it was okay but to continue to act this way is not good sports sociologist joel radwanski joining us here on the two guys in a mic show but uh so basically what you're saying is you know before before dissing on the leadership skills of a cam newton they got to build up a robert griffin the third theoretically what they're doing is, you know, by by saying well this black quarterback has good leadership skills and then you can criticize the other guy yeah, and not have it come across so racist. I, yeah, that that's exactly what yeah. Jason Whitlock was. Don't yeah, I'm not, these I, are I my think, words, but Jason Whitlock, and it was just like in a real interesting article to read mm-hmm. about uh, like the way media portrays stuff. And I immediately thought about Rush Limbaugh and Donovan McNabb because he said something bad, and he got fired from ESPN about 27 minutes after he said it. But uh, putting him on that panel was ridiculous. I mean, what did what could he offer like football analysis? That was like one of the biggest jokes ever. But but I'm trying uh, to remember. Rush Limbo was part of an announcement. I remember Jimmy the Greek getting the axe. Rush Limbo was or we think he was part of Rush? Monday Night Football. He was. Yes. No, no, for, no, Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh was the Sunday NFL countdown on ESPN. When you say part of he, he he wasn't an announcer, but he was like no, no, no. A, he was he, he was a contributor. Oh he was boy. a contributor, yeah, and, he and um, what he said was um, Donovan McNabb gets too much credit for the success of the Eagles because the media wants to see a black quarterback do well. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's You know what? Of 
of all the Rush Limbaugh statements that he's made, that's probably one of the more truer ones. Not politically yeah, correct. Uh, you know, he didn't. He didn't have to bring color into it. He didn't have to. But he, like he, I said, he didn't it, have to. And at that time, there are five. Uh, there are six other black starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, and that's the year Donovan McNabb won the MVP. And it was just it. it, it, it there was there was no play, place bringing color into that whole comment. Yeah. He could have made the he could have made the point without bringing it up. Saying he, he could have just simply said Donovan McNabb gets too much credit for the success of this team. Okay, but that wasn't period. The point. That wasn't the point he wanted to make. And I'm not defending it. And it's probably an incorrect statement to make. But I did say of all the asinine things that Rush Limbaugh says. At a scale of 1 to 10, that's probably on the high end of the scale of things that actually might have a little bit of sense. But anyhow, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're so politically correct. But this nice thing about this show, though, we can basically say anything we want because, uh, sad to say, not that many people are listening. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's funny about like, the whole black quarterback thing. You know, there is racism in the world. I do know white people that were like, no, no, no he's a black quarterback. I, I don't want him to win. Let's, let's, I know people like that. Really? Generally, the you don't know anyone. No. You don't know anybody that's no. racist in your whole entire life. Oh, no, that, I don't know that I know I've... a lot of people. I'm not saying I'm friends with these people. I know people who say stuff like that. I'm not saying my friends. Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, I, I'm out in the real world. I talk to people. I don't live yeah. in like a culture bubble that I've... like Jason like Whitlock's talking about. I prefer to Everybody's be in my sheltered world, and in my sheltered world, I can't recall anybody ever saying or even implicating that they don't want this guy to succeed because as a quarterback because he's black. Well, I definitely have heard this statement made more than one time. Yeah. Never bet on the black quarterback. You, sh- you should try living in the bubble, Big Dog. The food's not bad. Well, I bet you it's freaking delicious. <laughs> I've, I've been in gambling circles, and I, I tell you, I don't know how many times I've heard the statement, don't bet on the black quarterback. Yeah. Still, still choke like So uh, we, I, I definitely hang out with probably a different uh, people than you do, basically, Which... I, I guess. Which combo would I hang out with these people? I've just been around more people. When I'm at a bar watching like Monday Night Football, yeah. you, like, you just hear people say stupid stuff, and like that usually will stick with me. I'm like, really, someone just said that in public? You know, so yeah, is that, that's hard to believe. That's probably after a couple of cocktails. But oh, let absolutely. me ask you this: which which would uh, do worse for the Las Vegas betters? Which would bring the line down or the betting down more? A black quarterback combined with a white receiver. No, I'm saying this wrong. No, how do I compare it? Black quarterback? That's right. what I always joke, though. All right. So Whenever well, I hear somebody say that, I do bring up the white receiver. Okay. Like, no, no, the com- white the, quarterbacks out on the field. The comparison I would make, then, is the black quarterback with the black receiver or the white quarterback who's throwing to a white receiver, which goes down further in the Vegas odds. That's the comparison I was trying to make. I don't know, Sorry, the, but... the greatest receiver in the history of the NFL was Don Hudson to this day. Okay, and Don I, Hudson. Wow. Yeah. Old Green Bay Packer reference. Nicely done, Big Doug. So and and right by the way, there. he was great before Fred Bolitnikoff brought the stickum into the NFL. Don Hudson did it the old-fashioned way with his normal endocrine-induced uh, juices coming out of his mouth. And he actually did it before the San Diego Chargers brought Stickham back to the NFL, Coach. With Lance Allworth. No, no, no. The last, oh, brought the it last back. one in that game where the, the Chargers lost Oh, yes, up. with the towels. With, it's not confirmed, it's not, but there's an investigation. Yeah. And it involves, you know what, when you make 40 grand a year as an equipment manager for a team and you're <laughs> implicated, you just you just start packing your bags and start <laughs> getting your resume ready. 
What was the, the story was they had the little mini towels and some somebody noticed that the guys were trying to shake the towels off their hands and the towels were sticking to the hands? Is that how they first suspected? I, I, I got to be honest with you, Coach. I, I don't have as much media around me at all time, and I just clicked over the story. I could care less, so I didn't read it. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just know that a, a, a towel boy was implicated, and that guy's in trouble. All right, Coach. Any, any st- story where a towel boy is implicated, we automatically uh, have interest from our listeners. A, a myriad of topics today. I, I apologize. I haven't thrown out our phone number. If anything has piqued your interest, you want to comment on it, me and the big dog always – Love talking to the fans out there. Feel free to give us a call, 888-463-6748-888-463-6748. We do have a World Series to talk about, Big Dub. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and there's some interesting little uh, factoids that have come out of this. Uh, number one, I, I completely forgot about it, but let us remember back for a brief moment in time of the National League MVP two-thirds of the way through the season was a San Francisco giant, Melky Cabrera. I almost forgot about him, as have the yeah. Giants. Now, now, is he – why did – I kept seeing his name come up yesterday. Now, nope. he's not playing in the series, no, right? No, no, no. They, okay. have, they have pushed him. He may yeah. never be a San Francisco giant again. Yeah, that's that was – for some reason, that's why I was like, why are you bringing Melky Cabrera up all of a sudden? Like, I that's – I thought they have tried to distance themselves from him. That's well, they have. an embarrassment. But it is, it, well, you know, we can get to the whole thing that he did there, but just the fact that he was such a big impact part of the team, and now, you know, he's just completely forgotten. And obviously, they've been able to overcome that, you know, the whole is greater than the uh, the individual part. But, uh, yeah, apparently he left the team without talking to anybody. He kind of left on bad terms. There's some hard feelings. I don't think he's going to play for the Giant again. Yeah, well, I, I, who he may never get a job again. You know what I mean? Um, if you're not like a power hitting superstar or pitcher, it's like Melky Cabrera. I mean, seriously, what, does somebody want a two seventy five ten home run hitter with a really good defensively though, Coach? He, he's an extremely yeah. good. He's a fundamentally sound player. But he and was just doing all of a sudden this year. He started doing whatever he did, and now his batting average went up. But a hit a week, which is a lot if you think about it. Yeah, and a couple homers a week too. I don't know about a couple homers. He only hit like ten home runs this year. That's it. Yeah, he's not a home run hitter, coach. But the point is, he's a he's a two seventy five, but eight home run hitter for his career, and all of a sudden he's hitting three fifty five. <laughs> that, I mean, that's crazy. I wonder what ball, happened. He, Remember the uh, there were three. Season ticket holders, young guys, what they call themselves, the milkmen, and they'd be out in the bleachers every time Melky Cabrera would come up. They'd do a little dance out there, but they went to like every game. I wonder whatever happened to the milkmen, the Melky Cabrera fan club. Well, they they decided that if uh, if the drugs were doing so good for Melky Cabrera, they were going to start doing them, Coach. It's San Francisco, you know. <laughs> you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I did notice they were wearing Livestrong bands, too, so there might be a connection. Yeah, yeah. What a surprise. Uh, There's doping involved in a, a cycling event. Oh, my. I, you know, you know, I, I always, if you remember, I joked openly on there when you used to drive me crazy with that stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France. I would openly <laughs> joke about all these guys on drugs, and you'd get mad at me. You'd usually be like, it's like, kind of like, yeah. just, that's like you're just, and I would like, I, I had no respect for any of those guys in the first place. So. You were right. You were right, How, David. If we were, uh, if we do get the one-time opportunity, 
out there on the streets of Chicago on a major station like WGN. How do you think, uh, if it happened to be that time of year, do you think the stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France, would that play well on WGN, or maybe we we leave that bet, you think? Well, it would if I started making fun of the guys doing steroids, that we'd be fired right after it, and then six years later, they'd be like, wow, they were totally yeah. right to hit the nail on the head at the time, yeah. but we didn't want to pull our, uh, we didn't want uh, some of these particular advertisers pulling mm-hmm. away because they also uh, supported right. Lance Armstrong at a different level, and then all of a sudden they didn't realize six years later they'd be suing Lance Armstrong for all the money See, they ever paid him in endorsements. I don't know if you and me can do our stick if we have to worry about those damn paid advertisers. That's the point. That's the problem. That's the problem. By the way, I was reading in Mike. Goodness, the guy has taken a beating from Time Magazine to Sports Illustrated. Watching Brian Gumbo's show, another phenomenal real sports, by the way. Just outstanding, but at the end of it, you know how he does his little one-minute soliloquy? Just laugh. No, no, I, I, I don't listen to that. I, oh, it's I, a great show. Pompous ass starts talking All right, it, let's not get into that. Point is, he just completely lambasted Lance Armstrong. I mean, the guy has just taken a thorough beating. But one of the quotes I heard in the Sports Illustrated uh, article, Big Dog, was that in Europe, some of the countries in Europe where bicycling is big, they almost expect that it's not that big a deal, and they were almost laughing at the United States that we're such in shock and awe that, uh, you know, these crazed cardiovascular bicycle machinists, if you want to call them, that are actually taking, you know, doping agents. But in Europe, it's 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 not commonplace, but it's much more accepted. Yeah, uh, why do football players die when they're 50? Uh, people need to wake up. The whole NFL is full of nothing but human growth hormones and a bunch of gorillas on drugs, okay? Uh, these, like, to, to be surprised that these cyclists, are uh, upset that, oh, no, these guys were doping. What the whole NFL is, okay, the whole league. So, so when when this comes out, like, 30 years from now, when it comes, because remember we found out in the 70s and 80s, everybody was on steroids and coke? Oh, that's horrible. We found that out in the 90s. Wait until 15 years ago when we find out what the players in the 90s and, and aughts were in, and then 30 years from now what the guys right now are doing. Uh, that That just cracks me up, Coach. Look at how many football players. You know guys that have been in the NFL. You see them like, like I, I have played against a couple guys and know guys when they were high school and now in the NFL. All of a sudden they got these big crow magnine skulls, <laughs> chins that are twice as big as they used to be. Their, ah. their pans are all jacked up. That's from human growth hormones. That's the only reason stuff like that happens to people's skulls and their and to their feet and their hands. I hate to say it because he's a quality, quality guy and an excellent announcer now and he's Pretty visible in Chicago. We're talking about Tom Thayer, but you look at Tom Thayer now? Uh-huh. You know, and you compare him to the Tom Thayer in his playing days, and again, you know, everybody did it, and he keeps quiet. Now, that's fine. What's done is done, but, I mean, that's a clear case. Is it not the look of a Tom Thayer's head and face? Yeah, and uh, and, and, and Tom Thayer is a fitness freak. He's yeah. the type of guy that rides his bike and yep. and runs. And, and right now, I would have to say I am in a, have the same exact body type as yeah. Tom Thayer does right now. Think about that. Well, maybe I was unfair yeah. to Tom Thayer. Maybe it's because he exercises so much that he's lost the weight. So I take it no, back. No, 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 Coach. In order for his frame to put on an extra fifty pounds of muscle, that's it, it. That's almost no. You know, human being could do that. The neck alone. But the thing is, he's big now. He's two hundred twenty pounds now. He does not have the frame of a guy that played NFL yeah. football at 265 yeah. pounds, but he point. played at. 
David, you had a uh, comment on the doping agents? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the ironic thing about uh, Armstrong being stripped of his Tour de France titles is that the, final, uh, the, the titles default to other guys that have been convicted for doping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the guy in, like, eighth place is crossing his fingers. <laughs> But no, it's true. I think I, I think it was six out of the eight defaulted to guys that have been convicted for also been convicted for doping. Yeah. I think when you get past the top three or four, you just kind of put the, the trophy away for the year. It's it's really too bad though. I mean, it's yeah. I, I do know this. I, it doesn't surprise me at all. I don't know how many people or either one of you guys have ever biked consistently. But if at the end of the summer, I'm not kidding you. I got a flat tire the other day and. I'm in no hurry to go fix my bike. I just, like, for some reason, I don't, like, I'm going to fix it. I need it because that's my only mode of transportation. And I really haven't had the opportunity to, but I'm not kidding you. After riding that thing, when you ride that thing 19 times for a 100 and something miles uphill for, in 21 days, I can't even imagine what that does to your body, Coach. I just, like, so to bring, not, bring on the to, testosterone. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, I, I don't even, that's why I'm not yeah. surprised. I think have you the, ever the, done that? Have you ever ridden a bike for a long time? Uh, like Brutal. Or And then and then when you're tired after a long time to go uphill, there, there's no burn. Exor- there's no exercise burn that's worse than trying to battle uphill after you've been riding for a while. I mean, that that's a killer. And and my point is, that did you have to do this, like, day in and day yes. out? Yes, yes. I think the part, it, yeah. the it's, part... It's, that bothers people, Big Dog, is, you know, it's one thing that he did it, but what's coming out now is not only the denials and the cover-up, but the fact that he was forced... Was ringleader. Yeah, he forced teammates to do it and threatened them. That, uh, I think I can speak for most people, is where you really go over the boundaries of uh, acceptable behavior. You know what, see, yeah, I, I, that's like, like the... Lance Armstrong reminds me of a, a politician. The guy out there... And he smiles, and he's handsome, and he yeah. talks eloquently. And he's he the has, athletic Blagojevich. He has the past of somebody that has struggled so much, you know what I mean, with, with the cancer and everything. And then, and then behind the scenes, you find out he's a bully and a coercer and just a, a plain jackass. You know what I mean? And like, uh, uh, I'm glad he's getting what he's getting. Again, he, if he, I didn't know about the threatened teammates part. When you force your belief yep. on anybody else, yep. you force your cheating ways on someone else, yep. go after yourself. Seriously. Yep. Unfortunately, that appears uh, what he did. It. I think that, that may be the greatest crime of all. I don't care that he cheated, Coach. Like I said, it's cycling. I'm not kidding you. It's the, when you just told me he was like bullying teammates and forcing them to do it, I didn't know about that. I, I did hear him say, keep quiet about it. And then that I didn't bother because, like, hey, keep quiet. Of course, they're all in on it together. He's telling these guys to keep quiet. All of them are probably saying the same thing. I didn't hear, hey, you do it, or you're not on the team, or whatever the yeah. heck was going on. And I the coach, Jovan guy, the coach uh, whose book I read about five, six years ago, very, very cool book. I, I forgot how I got it. I had no interest in cycling, but I remember reading the book, Big I remember telling you about it and was kind of fascinated with it. But the apparently the coach was in along with Lance Armstrong and encouraging the teammates uh, to do it and then threatening them if they were to expose, you know, Lance Armstrong or, you know, there was some serious arm twisting going on. So the coach was involved with it uh, as well. 8884. The U.S. Postal Service was involved. Who? The U.S. Postal Service, every time they say anything from 
going to Lance Armstrong's that made it didn't go past the dog sniffing dog. Yep. Yeah, the, the U.S. Postal Service was his yeah. sponsor. I'm making that up, people. That was a joke. They really did not. They had no idea that Lance Armstrong was uh, dealing with this stuff. Just got a tweet. Just we just got a tweet from Ryan Braun, the Milwaukee Brewer slugger. He said, leave Lance Armstrong alone. He's innocent. Uh, that makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan Braun. Hey, 888-463-6748, the phone number. Dog and the coach with you up until 11 o'clock. Got a couple more quirks of the World Series, but as long as we're meandering, big dog, I got to bring up real quick an interesting aspect of the story uh, that Real Sports did of, of gay athletes in sports. And we've talked about it before. And I've, as far as I know, I'm the only one uh, on Sports Talk Radio that has said, I- I'm shocked that it hasn't happened already, that we've had an athlete in one of the four major sports, while they're playing, come out as gay. And I remember five years ago predicting, within the next five years, Big Duck, it's going to happen. Well, it hasn't happened yet. I'll make the same prediction now. I'd be shocked if it doesn't happen in the next couple of years. The story came out because of the boxer, Orlando Cruz, who was the first professional boxer, I think, to come out as openly gay. But the aspect that I forgot about, and a little, it wasn't the gist of the whole story, but a little angle is whichever athlete does come out, huge, huge profiteering to go along with it. Yes. Sponsors oh waiting. So yeah. it's even more shocking that no one's become out because whoever it is is going to make a whole lot of money. An angle I had not thought of before. Yeah. So it surprises I feel, I, me. I, I, I guess it shows you the. The resist the resistance bond that there is in pro sports, and you know there's gay athletes in pro sports, a lot of them. Oh, there has to be. Are but, you kidding me? There's 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 fifteen hundred football players, seven the seventeen hundred football players. Are you kidding? Not one of them. That's that's an it's a mathematical impossibility that one out of seventeen hundred uh, men between the ages of twenty two and thirty eight are not gay. It's impossible, coach. And, and, and which sport do you think it's going to be when someone finally does it? See, I'm trying to That's, think which sport would be the easiest to do it, and I have no clue. I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure there's any logic behind predicting any one of the four, but the the fact that the guy could make a lot of money off it, or girl, no, it's got to be a guy because four major professional sports, yeah, makes yeah, it even it's, it's more surprising. There, so, yeah. It's it's more surprising that no one's come out because um, – and I would have just thought in the natural flow of things at this point somebody would have. But uh, whoever that person is could make a lot of money, but still, nobody has. So the resistance to it, the threat of whatever they're afraid of once they do, must be that strong still. I'm going to say something real sexist here. I guarantee someone's already come out and done it in the WNBA. <laughs> There's an openly gay player in the WNBA, I will guarantee. I, I hope you're not being serious. No, no, I'm being serious. I bet you somebody's Big already dog. come out and done it. Big dog. We got to get you more familiar with the W. That happened about 15 years ago. That somebody was openly gay and came out, right? There's many of them. That's my point. I didn't. I didn't know. I don't care. That's like I don't. I, oh, yeah. not, That's my point. I don't. I, don't, I had no idea. Yeah. Just threw it out there. So. And well, no, and and that, that's also the point that there are so many openly gay pay, players in the WNBA. It's like, eh, nobody cares. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like you do it. Nobody cares. Oh, woman's gay. Oh, okay. But if a guy does it, yep. that's why we're not going to – because think about it. You're, that's exactly – I didn't even know, didn't care, oh, just assumed, yes. But for men, I was like, really, somebody would be, have enough daring to be like, yes, I play strong outside linebacker for the Oakland Raiders, 
and I spent a lot of time on the west side of San Francisco. <laughs> you think that's the way they'd come out and say it, huh? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. All right, but the money aspect was one that I, I had not thought of and was brought out in that segment. All right, back to the World Series. It is game one tonight. A couple other, the Melky Cabrera thing I found fascinating. Here's something else I forgot and got reminded of. Uh, of course, we all know the All-Star game determines home field advantage. The game will be at San Francisco. Again, it's Barry Zito going up against Justin Verlander. But uh, if you remember back, Big Dog, to the All-Star game, it was San Francisco Giant pitcher Matt Cain who got the win. I think he only pitched a couple, and he got the win. It was Pablo Sandoval who was the hitting star of the All-Star game. He got the big triple in the first inning with the bases loaded, and Buster Posey caught and got a clutch walk in the middle of that rally. So you had three Frisco players, a big part of that win. Little did they know, home field advantage for their beloved giant. Yeah, and 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 that plays that plays a huge role because let's face yeah. it, this game, it's the San Francisco Giants. They cannot do it easily unless the Tigers sweep them. This is going seven games. Okay, so this series is definitely going to need. Uh, you want home field advantage. You want the ability to have your pitchers with better bat handling skills than the American League. And all the, and just the last half at all that good stuff, coach. So, yeah, it, it, that was real important. Who would have, who would have thought that it would? And don't you just have that feeling if, you know, we always hope for seven games, but if the Tigers don't just blow them out of the, out of the water, I, I just feel like there's going to be a Mr. November again and we're going to have a baseball game on November 1st this year. And you're looking ahead. The game three pitchers typically start game seven. So I think it would be Scherzer. Again, I know it's Vogel song for Frisco, and I think it's Scherzer for the Tigers. But well, that that'd be nice. That'd yeah. be awfully, awfully good. That's yeah. why you you know game one very rarely does the road team have you know like the game is much more important for Detroit in game one than it is for San Francisco in game one. And how often can you say that when it's the road team that that never happens because in this series there's only one pitcher that you would consider like the automatic win. Matt Cain for the Giants isn't that. No one on the Giants is that. And the only player on the Tigers like that is the guy pitching tonight, Coach. Mm -hmm. So when Verlander pitches, if the Giants get a win tonight, that's that's pretty uplifting, isn't it? So like the, the Tigers need to win this game even though they're the road team. By the way, as a little added sidebar, guess who the losing pitcher was for the American League in the All-Star game? Uh, Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander. So, as uh, as luck would have it, but uh, I'll disagree wow. with you a little bit. And you've heard me say this before. I don't think it's a huge advantage. I think the home field thing is is way overplayed. So it's curious that these guys played such a part of it. It's a slight advantage, but I, I still think the whole home field thing in all of our four professional sports is a bit overplayed. And, and you and and you know honestly, if you look at the stadium. Both of them are shallow down the line, Detroit, Comerica, and also uh, AT&T Park in San Francisco, and extremely deep in the center field and power alleys. So, like, the parks are very similar, and they're both going to be cold and moist. So, like, the weather and park shape is exactly the same. The only difference is, is one park the pitchers are going to hit, and the, then the last at-bat. I mean, that's really... Really, the only difference is it's not like you're comparing like uh, like Yankee Stadium to to uh, uh, AT and T Park or Yankee Stadium. The ball just flies out of there, and you hit two home runs a game, no matter what your lineup is. You know, like 
you're going to have to play some baseball in these parks, hit and run, make some contact, catch the ball in order in order to win. That's why I do think the Giants have the advantage in catching the ball, which might be the difference in the whole series. Another interesting aspect in an area where the Giants uh, appear to have an advantage. But, Big Dog, how many times can we say a team has come into the World Series with an un Settled, very unsettled, actually. Closing situation. That's the case for the Detroit Tigers. Going to be fascinated to see Jose Ver, uh, Jose, uh, Val, uh, Jose Valverde. Thank you very much. Valverde absolutely blew up end of the regular season into the playoffs. Phil Coke, they kind of used a little bit, but it's rare. But it's a situation. The Tigers do not have a settled closing situation. Well, it, it, it that's, that's the crazy thing, because Phil Coke was bad all year long, and all of a sudden he's feeling it. And, uh, maybe they go, maybe they go match up, and that's good, but, uh, Jose Valverde, when everything is going great, you know, he's the bully in the playground. You know what I mean? When he was in fifth grade, he was yeah. supposed to be in eighth grade, and he slaps all the little kids around. All of a sudden there's a, there's a fifth grader that went to May martial arts and learned some kung fu and beat him up, and now he's afraid to go out in the playground anymore. So <laughs> that, that's Valverde's problem. Is he's a he's like the guy in the last place team. He saves forty games and has a great year. Now that he's in the limelight, it's like, oh, do these games mean something? He's just so overrated. I don't know what they do in Detroit. They better hope Verlander goes the distance in two games. The only hesitancy I have is based on the quotes that I've been reading. Even at his worst points, Jose Valverde wants to get back out there. It's not like good, he's hesitating. Good. I mean, his most recent quote was, I figured I watched tape, but I figured out what I, I'm doing wrong. You know, my okay. leg leg was moving too slow. So I don't know for sure, but based on those quotes, it doesn't sound like he's backing off the pressure, Big Doug. Just like the problem is when he goes out there, he, you know, puts a pile on the pitcher's mound, and it's not the rosin bag, unfortunately. Yeah, okay, well, that's good. That's good for the Tigers to hear. That, honestly, that was the, the best answer that you could have told me. Mm-hmm. I, I want you to think of this, too. When you just told me Zito was starting, I've been waiting for a day to figure out who, who was going to start. Okay, this is the end of his $126 million contract. If the day he signed it, you as a Giants fan would have been told that he would have been starting game one of the World Series in the last year of that contract. Oh, and by the way, the Giants have already won a World Series during this. You'd be like, find that contract, Zito. Oh, it's definitely worth it. And then you find out that that's like the biggest, bust, worst contract maybe ever signed in the history of baseball. And, of course, Coach, this is his last year in it. It's his contract year, and it was the only good year he had out of the six years he was in the San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so may- maybe it can have a happy ending, but uh, it's been a brutal ride, especially yeah, for the – so- so here's Barry Zito's chance for the, the city of San Francisco to make up. Yep. He, six years, $126 million, Coach, and he hit one winning season. It was this season. Hey, That's, think of the owner. Think yeah, of the owner. Yeah, no matter how rich you are, you're paying out that kind of money for basically bust-out production. That has to hurt psychologically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. By the way, at a related baseball note, David Olson, did you see the uh, – Little tidbit dog. I don't know if you've read it or not, and I don't know much about it, but Carlton Fisk? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't, they found him in New Lenox, a suburb of Chicago. Passed out behind the wheel of a pickup truck in a field with an open bottle of vodka in the car. Wow. That's not good. There's a lot of scenarios. None of them are particularly good, though, dog. And to make it worse, it wasn't Belvedere. It was Sobieska vodka. 
<laughs> I mean, that's just, that's like the bottom of the barrel, vodka. That's disgusting, Coach. So yeah, and he lives in Florida thing. now, but I guess he has some Chicago. They don't even know what he was doing in the Chicago area. He used to live in the. He used to right. live in that area, right? The outskirts of Homer Glen, right on the border okay. of New Lenox. Okay. So, all right. Well, well, we'll let that play out. But uh, yeah, there's. Of, uh, you know what? The, the personal life that he was keeping from the rest of his family is probably going to be exposed now. Carl well, let's hope. It probably has a lot more issues than just a DUI on his hands right now. Let's hope not. Yeah. Let's hope not. But it might. Might come out. David Olson is shaking his head. Like and, he's... It's a, and it's a pretty good celebrity mugshot. Of the Gary Bussey, Nick Nolte. Uh... Uh, it's not. Well, yeah, it's, it's not quite to Nick Nolte levels. Uh, it's close. It's closer to the Randy Travis one. Oh boy, you remember the Randy yeah, Travis one from about a year ago? Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. Oh, it's tough being famous, Big Doug. All right, uh, we got about three, four minutes left, dog. Oh, you know, we got some football coming up this week, and I started taking a sneak peek ahead. And, oh boy, Notre Dame at Oklahoma—that's juicy. I mean, that's real juicy. But uh, in the Big Ten, Big Ten, Michigan at Nebraska, and how about I know it doesn't have bowl implications, but still a great game. Ohio State plays Penn State. Suddenly, a heck of a game. Those are three really good college football games to start watering about. This, I, I can't even explain how big this game must be to both of those two institutions. Talking about Ohio State, Penn State. If you, if you think about it, they, this is their bowl game. I know Ohio State gets to play Michigan later, but all of a sudden Penn State is dropped in their laps, and if, if they can probably, they've been reminded by Urban Meyer, you're not going to the Big Ten Championship game, and you're not going to a bowl game. So how about this game? You're playing the team that you probably would they want to win the division, Coach. Don't you think they want to be the team with the best record in that side of the division, whether they go to the game or not, so they can at least say, hey, we had the best record out of the six teams over here. This game is huge for both Penn State and Ohio State. And Bill Bradley can say the same thing. Look, we beat Ohio State. We control our own destiny. And at least this season, we can say we were we were never going to get a crown, but we can say we were the champions of the mm-hmm. Legends division. What's making what, what makes me so happy about it is, you know, I was adamantly against the whole NCAA regulations thing. My big point was how it's making the current players suffer and the current fans and the student body. Football games are part of the Penn State experience. Why make them suffer? What I'm happy about, Big Dog, is there'll be eighty, ninety thousand, however many crazed. I mean, the atmosphere might be because of all that's happened. As enthusiastic, as high energy as it's ever been at Happy Valley, and as you know. That's saying an awful lot because that's a great home atmosphere there. Well, it, it, think about how tarnished this game is. Uh, you're going to say, no, it's not tarnished. Uh, it is, because think about, like, in the history of college football, has there ever been a bigger game where absolutely nothing officially will be decided? No. I mean, there were two teams on probation battling for the division title. Yeah. But it's, again, it's, the most, it's not the best. Again, the, the players that are playing America. in the game and the fans that are cheering them on, most directly related, none of them, as far as I know, Big Dog, did anything wrong. No, none. So that's why I can enjoy the game without yeah, worrying about prior, it. 12 players making... Uh, uh, um, over a million dollars a year to be a backup in Oakland to hold a chalkboard. Doing really well at that. Hopefully they don't make them hold a football anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, and all these other guys in Ohio State are paying for his, his, all these people at USC have paid for Reggie Bush's mistakes. 
all these players at Penn State have paid for uh, Joe Paterno's uh, mistake uh, of not turning somebody in to the law. Do you know what I mean? It's like, really? What do these guys do? What do they do? What? How is the world any better because a bunch of kids decided to take a scholarship to Penn State and then found out later that years before they got mm-hmm. there, a bunch of ugly, ugly, despicable things happened? Yep. Yep. And let us not forget Penn State having the great success they've had this year. A lot of their players that they were counting on for this year departed the team anywhere from a week to three or four weeks before the season started. So they've been able to overcome that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's awful yep. tough. All right. You know, part of a new coaching staff trying to figure out who can play, yep. and all the guys that, that played last year are leaving. Not all, but some. Yep. All right, well, we'll talk about that uh, tomorrow. Of course, we'll have our football Friday, make some predictions, but some good games coming up this weekend, and it will be fun, Big Dog. The Bears are back. 12 o'clock on Sunday. I think most Chicago fans will uh, appreciate that after a couple of weeks off. Uh, yes, yes, and uh, I, I don't know how much time we got before before we're up, Coach. Very quick, very quick. It's a must-win this Sunday, Coach, must-win. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about that and more. Big Dog, good luck with closing everything up, and uh, we move on to bigger and better things. This year, man, and more coming up. Excellent. See you tomorrow, everybody. Two guys in a mic, TalkZone.com. Back at you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much. Listen, 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.